This podcast is sponsored by Performance Services. We are an Indiana company specializing in new construction, high-performing building renovations, and smart infrastructure solutions for cities and towns. Our approach to projects results in cost-effective and quality outcomes with a no-change-orders guarantee. Performance Services is a local builder with a national reach. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Let's build together. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Perez. Jonathan is Upland's town manager. Jonathan, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime. Um, We've known each other for a long time, back to your your days at the city of Marion, but obviously we want to focus on you a little bit and the the town and what's going on. Um, So just talk a little bit about what's happening in in Upland and and your role there as the, the town manager. Yeah, it's been it's been great. So in 2015, Upland went through a uh, master planning process, actually with Browning Day, um, and then um, they realized that they did not have what they needed to, at least internally, to help them accomplish those goals. Um, I guess for me, the the fortunate part for me was that they didn't realize at the time, which in our world there are lots of us that have done the administrative in and lots of us that have done the development in, but not a lot of crossover in that world. Um, I've been, I've been fortunate enough in my career that I have done both and they wrote a job description for a town manager that was also the full-time administrator, but also charged with handling the development. So um, I was uniquely qualified. The fact that it was six miles from my house and that I was already a Grant County native, it uh, put me in a position to be successful. So um, the last that that master plan is a, obviously a living, breathing document, which is what most people don't think master plans are, but they actually are evolving documents. You got to use them uh, and update them. And it's been basically a roadmap for everything that we've been doing. Um, the majority of what we have accomplished is not seen because it's all underground. But in order to accomplish all those things that we want for the sake of development and housing and everything, that's that's what needed to be done. And um, with the latest announcement that we just received um, with grants and gifts on infrastructure um, in the seven years since we've been since I've taken over my seven years tenure here, we are just shy of eight million dollars in investment for a town who has a general fund of just under 900k so it's it's been we've been fortunate you mentioned housing that's probably the the topic i hear most about as i travel the state what's uh what's happening in in upland regarding housing and what are you seeing on down the road the plan calls for it in every study that we've ever anybody's ever read or ever paid attention to is is upland being uniquely qualified in its location uh, due to its proximity on 69, virtually halfway between Indy and Fort Wayne. Um, There are, I mean, 
I feel like I've been saying this for 10 years, probably because I have, but the, the, there was the, I think actually former Daniels, Mitch Daniels uh, mentioned it a lot too, but there was a Perdido study that had, um, 75% of the state's population living within a 45 minute bubble of Evansville, Indy, Fort Wayne, and Chicago within the next 20 years. We're halfway into that. And those are the trends that we're seeing. And, um, Upland being where it's at, we're on, you know, we're on the cusp of two of those bubbles. So we're trying to, to be that place where you can residentially live and still have a, uh, you know, a, a good driver, a good commute. Uh, you know, at this point now, it's easier for somebody to live in Upland and get to the, the north side of Indy than it is for somebody in Westfield or Sheridan or and then the, everything that's developing west to get over to the north side of Indy it's you know so um it, it, uh, that comes with education and perspective but you know we're we recognize our role in that um we've been building towards the infrastructure to have that as an option and um I've signed I've signed more new construction housing permits in the last two years than I have in the first than I did in the first five that I was here as we've got this infrastructure and, and the availability to get things done now. So it's been great. That's positive news and certainly something we're seeing in a lot of smaller communities post pandemic around the state really that are well positioned to capture some of this housing growth and population growth that's in areas around the state as you mentioned. Let me uh, shift gears here just a little bit. I, I know you hate talking about yourself but we're gonna see if you can do it just a little bit here. Um, did a little digging on you and I think uh -oh. you might have more professional certifications than anybody I've ever talked to before on a podcast or maybe anywhere. And, you know, we're big obviously within AIM on continuing education and, and those kinds of things. You know, you've really focused on emergency management and other certificates and development and, and things of that nature. Why is continuing education so important to you? You know, I could give you the, you know, some cliche stereotypical answer, but I used to get put in the bo the same box as all the people who have like the thirst for knowledge and all that. And to some degree, I resonated with that, but it never really felt like me. Um, and then actually during one of those professional development certificates that you just mentioned when I was doing ODI, um, um, we did a the real the real colors personality assessment. And I realized that I was not one of the people who uh, had a thirst for knowledge. I was one of those people who literally hates not knowing. And I don't like talking unless I know the answer or the right answer. So I, with that, it drives me to read or do as much as I can. So that way, because I, I, I mean, it sounds, I don't like being wrong. <laughs> There's calluses that might sound or, or, or selfish as it might sound because it depends on the scenario, but it, I like having all the information that I can have. So I can't make an informed decision or do my job or do anything that I feel like I can if I don't have as much information as I can. So the, the emergency management ones, those actually started when I actually started uh, working in the county for the commissioners when I first got my start in my career. They're still free. They're free. Anybody can take them. And I'm a nerd. And when I get bored, I do things like that. If I'm not outside, you know, working in my garden or doing whatever I, if I'm, if I'm reading, I'm doing something like that. Or so that's, 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 that's a culmination of the last 
15 years or so, those certificates of, you know, spending time in, and during my downtime, just continuing to read and doing things like that. I appreciate the uh, the non-cliche answer. I think it's, it's good to see and good to hear. Um, I've got a follow-up to that, I think. You know, and it's, I guess, a little, little bit tied into the, the next topic I wanted to cover. You were recently recognized as an elevated Latino uh, leader under 40 by the Indiana Latino Institute. You know, we've done some work with the Latino Institute over the years and it's a fantastic organization. You know, I think one of the things in, that we struggle with in Indiana is more representation among different folks in municipal government. Where do you think we're headed there and, and how can we do better, I think? To everyone, their own representation is obviously going to be what is the forethought, the forethought in their mind. And um, because of the very small size of an island that is Cuba and because of colonialism, Cuba jokingly and politically incorrectly and stereotypically is, you know, unique to the most Hispanic cultures in the sense that the joke is that Cubans come in all colors of the rainbow which is unique to most Hispanic cultures. With that said, it, I don't know how to make it not sound maybe a little arrogant, but I think that uniquely qualifies the perspective that I have. And seeing that because, and I guess coupling that with the simple fact that I was just raised to treat everybody with respect. I wouldn't think that that would be something that is rare, but anymore these days, I, I think it's rare unfortunately. Um, so with that, I think we've put ourselves in a position where only the same certain voices or perspectives are continually heard or presented as options. I mean, I mean I'm a minority that, you know, grew up as a Republican. So that already put me in the minority of the minorities. Take it back to you just a little bit. What, what pulled you to serve? And you've been doing it for a long time now, whether it was in Marion or now in Upland yeah. in different ways. That's, what you to serve in, in your community? That one's really, that, that one's a lot easier. So my grandfather was one of 13. He was, he was, you know, owned a store involved in a nightclub in Cuba in the 50s. So if you, that you're, you're doing well, if you're doing that. My grandmother was from an affluent Spanish family. So they were in a sense between him being native and her being part of the Spanish influence that, um, you know, led to everything. It, they were, in a sense, forbidden love, star-crossed lovers, I guess, if you could say, you know, um, heating up or getting to the degree that they soon would become. They fled in September of 63, um, which Castro was in power, but not to the degree that he would soon become. So, but even then when they left, they essentially, is again, as a cliche as it is to say, they came with nothing but the clothes in their back because the government literally charged them, assessed the value of everything you owned, and then that's what they charged you to leave, um, including their wedding rings, everything. Um, so they came with nothing but what they could carry and had with them. Um, so they were political refugees in 63. Um, they sacrificed everything so we could have a shot at this idea of the American dream. And it that was hammered into every one of us 
um, from the my father and his younger siblings were born in the States. He and my uncle were born um, in Cuba. Um, and then every generation that has come that that's been hammered into us to honor that sacrifice. Not only have we you know, chosen to live our lives in a way to honor that, but we've also chosen in a way that we've all ended up in careers like this, where we're serving to give back to honor the sacrifice. Um, my father spent his career working in healthcare administration for um, a lot of the migrant population and the, and the and poverty population. And my one and only sibling has been um, the Indiana State Trooper for going on 15 years now. So we've all spent our careers trying to give back and, and honor that sacrifice. That's a, a really fascinating story, Jonathan. I don't think many, many people in local government service can can talk about a history within their family like that. That's really interesting. And thank you for continuing uh, continuing to do what your grandparents instilled in you. I think we're all the beneficiaries of that now. I I'll lighten it up just a little bit as we, we wrap up here. What uh, What's on tap and up in this summer? What's, uh, what's fun that's coming up? What's interesting? Uh, what's What's the summer look like? The summers, well, all summers are usually busy, um, are actually very busy. It's Well, if you're anywhere near local enough to know, or at least regionally, um, anybody who knows Ivanhoe's and knows that it's strawberry shortcake season, which is insane and a cult classic. Um, it's, it's, it's following is unheard of. Actually, uh, just for perspective, during um, season when they are serving strawberry shortcakes, at this point, we're actually trying to well, I'm actually trying to come up with community development development ideas around it to sustain it because I mean, anything that we're taught is the best bet you have is to grow your own. But during strawberry shortcake season, Ivanhoe's is going through 200 flats of strawberries a week. <laughs> so they're they're buying from three to four different vendors because there's not a vendor that has enough strawberries for them. So we've been looking at ways to, you know, use that um so but you know that's always the you know ivanhoe's and taylor university that that's the two big things upland's known for taylor university is always going to be um very busy with all their camps this summer um basketball camp is famous in regionally mid all through the midwest it's going to be a very busy summer all that to say that um <laughs> this summer we're having you know we're doing a 17 million dollar sewer plant upgrade we have uh, Main Street and its grant um, that we got in 2017, finally getting ready to go to construction and get everything finalized this fall and going into next year. Um, that will be uh, a complete rehab of downtown and downtown will look the way that from a development perspective, you want downtowns to look um, with all new streetscape and, and lighting and everything that you would want. I think there's six houses being built right now on H Street because that's the, the west side of town is basically where all the development is happening right now because that was the only area left to really expand where there was room to expand. And we have a million and a half stormwater project going on. So literally everything is under construction right now all over town. AP is redoing their transformer lines at the same time through, through town. <laughs> so uh, it's busy. So there's construction everywhere. So if you're local or regional, you know, you might have to have fun dealing with that because usually in a town this size, you don't say, uh, you don't say traffic and construction in the size of a, as a, as a correlation in a town of, you know, just over 3000, but in this year you will. 
Jonathan, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been great to, to learn about your background, your, your heritage, your drive for public service, your drive for knowledge. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of our uh, fellow municipal government servants can, can learn from and be inspired by. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. I appreciate that.